just so grateful for our part. Can you hear me now? <laughs> and I'm so grateful for our partnership in the gospel. This gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world. And you've been so gracious and warm and inviting and welcome to, uh, to Julie and me uh, this weekend. And uh, uh, we really like the food here, actually. You guys have good food here. And, you know, that's one way to care for people. It's such a great uh, core value of hospitality. And uh, my role is to help establish churches become healthy and missional. And by healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. By missional, we mean pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And I've come to understand that Pastor uh, Tom has preached on the ten healthy missional markers, the vital signs of a healthy missional church. By the way, did I mention how much I admire your pastor? I mean, I really like your pastor. <laughs> and uh, I admire a lot of things about him, but one of the things I really have been watching him with people this week, I really like, Tom, your way with people. And you're the kind of pastor that I would trust and that I would like to be a part of a church and follow you. You know, it takes a healthy missional pastor to lead a healthy missional church. And it also takes a healthy missional lay leadership team to lead a healthy missional church as well. So uh, before we get into today's message on congregational vitality and the Holy Spirit, I just want to introduce you to our family. So Tom, so this is uh, Julie and me. This is on the boardwalk in Ocean City, New Jersey. I grew up outside of Philly. Julie grew up in Portland, Oregon. And this is one of our favorite places, and we love riding bikes. Next slide. So we were in an action movie in Hong Kong, actually. No, just kidding. Uh, but we did go to Hong Kong, and we were teaching there last uh, November. We're going back again. And anyway, this is just for fun. Yeah! <laughs> this is our Bruce Lee kind of experience in Hong Kong for vitality, of course. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with three sons. Jonathan is now 26. He's a pilot, and he flies out of Aurora Airfield, a suburb of Portland. And Laura is doing her master's degree in education. She's going to be a junior high math teacher, and they met when they were 10 years old at First Covenant Church in Portland, Oregon, where I was the pastor at. And so they've been married almost two years, and that's the day they got engaged in Portland, Oregon. Uh, our next son, Joel, he's 22, and he is a junior at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon. He's a math and physics major, and how many of you like to fish? All right, so he, he, would, he would like to be friends with you. And then Jordan is our third son. And look at those muscles. He, like, works out every day and drinks protein shakes. Yeah. Uh, so he's a sophomore at University of Portland in Oregon, and he's a business major, and he loves working out at the gym and, and being really physical. And there's one member of our family, and they all live in Portland, Oregon, by the way, but... Our offices are in Chicago, so that's where Julie and I uh, base out of. But then we left our golden retriever back home, and Jake is eight and a half years old. In the words of Spanky from our gang, he's the bestest dog in the world, and uh, we miss him, but he, he has good caregiver now. Just We moved into a townhome and sold our house, and now two doors down, there's a 14-year-old boy named Clark, and we're paying him $250 for these three weeks that we're gone to take care of Jake. And now Jake's sleeping over at his house. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I have another picture. What? How did this get in there? Where's Abby? Where's Abby? 
Abby, stand up. Can you give Abby a great hand for this elk? Yeah, baby. And look, we've got the horns back here even. Look at that. Abby, I just want to give you a great high five, girl. Give me a big hug. All right. <laughs> look, and there are the horns back there. You can see them for yourself. I did not Photoshop this picture. Okay, this is real. And I heard about it's the big news all over town. I heard about it at the Thai restaurant at dinner last night. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. yeah, good stuff. All right. So it's, I'm so happy to be here with you this weekend, and I'm so proud of you and willing to follow the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads and to help everybody find and follow Jesus. What a fantastic vision statement. It just grabs my heart and my imagination. Well, I want to speak with you today about congregational vitality. And I just want to say that the beginning of congregational vitality is not coming to a workshop. It's not learning about a technique or doing a quick fix solution. I mean, we didn't get into this situation overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight either. It doesn't begin with um, uh, planting magic seeds in the ground, and then presto, in six months, we have a healthy missional church. Congregational vitality doesn't begin with that stuff, however important it is. Congregational vitality begins with the Holy Spirit. Somebody once asked me, John, what's one word that you would describe, used to describe congregational vitality? And then it came to me. It's the word awaken. Would you say that with me? Awaken. And it's the Holy Spirit who causes that awakening to occur and suddenly we see what we've been missing all these years. And it's like we have this awakening that finally we're living the kind of abundant life that Jesus promised we would if we would learn how to live our lives as if He were living them for us. Something happens within an individual and within a congregation. The Holy Spirit wakes a group of people up. And that's the beginning and the sustaining of congregational vitality. And this morning, we're going to look at the linkage between the Holy Spirit and congregational vitality. Uh, as many of you know, as you read the Word, and we know, you know that we serve a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And maybe you've heard sermons before about Abba, Father, Father God. You've heard about Jesus, the Son. But not many churches know about the Holy Spirit in the covenant denomination. We know about the Father, we know about the Son, but the Holy Spirit's sort of mysterious, and we don't want to take away from any of that mystery, and yet developing a conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit is one of the major distinctives in the covenant church today. So we're going to focus in on this person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and before we dig deep into this, let me just remind everybody that Jesus Himself was full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Where do you think the power came from? He, he had a real body. His body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lived fully within Jesus. And He showed us how to have a body and to allow the Holy Spirit to fill that body up so that we could... Do the works that Jesus did. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And if you have come into the kingdom of 
the Lord by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, you believe Jesus is the Son of God who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross to forgive your sins and mine, and then the power of the Father and the Spirit raised Him from the dead. When you made that decision, and some of you it was like right on the spot, others of you took a long time to decide to really commit your life to Jesus, the minute you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in upon your life and mediates the presence of Jesus in your life. Do you realize that if you're a Christ follower, you're living in the kingdom of God right here and now, and listen, the Holy Spirit is closer to you than your very own breath. Imagine, the Holy Spirit is closer to you than your very own breath. And one of the words for the Holy Spirit is pneuma, air. It's the Greek word, like pneumatic hammer, like that. There's a lot of power in a pneumatic hammer or wrench. It's the breath of God. In Hebrew, it's ruach. Say that with me. Ruach. You can almost feel the breath coming out. So the Holy Spirit provides the air and the oxygen that we breathe, and He is closer to us than our very own breath. Well, Jesus not only lived in the power of the Spirit. Oh, by the way, Christianity is not just going to heaven when you die. Get this. Christianity is going to heaven before you die. Did you ever think about that? Christianity is about going to heaven before you die as you allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your life and mediate the presence of Jesus. And you can learn to live in the kingdom of God right now. Eternity starts now. Jesus not only lived in the power and appropriated the power of the Holy Spirit, but He taught often on the Holy Spirit. So there are many things that we could look at in terms of what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, but today we're going to focus on two major lessons that Jesus wanted us to know about the Holy Spirit. And here's the first one. The ministry of power. The ministry of power. Let's say this verse together from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus told this to the disciples after, he had, after the Father had raised him from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, that same power that's available to you and me today. And before he ascended up into heaven, this is the command and charge that he gave to his disciples. Like, don't get into the mission until you first receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that fuels the church for mission and gives us that adventurous feel when it comes to following Jesus. You know, sometimes I meet Christians who are miserable all the time. Do you know any people like this? They're they're just miserable. And you know why? Maybe it's because they don't know how to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit who brings love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So we want to learn how to develop a more conscious dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fuels the church for mission. Now, when Jesus called the twelve disciples, they were just like regular guys. You know, none of them had been to seminary, and 
but they were just willing to follow Jesus wherever Jesus was. And they were willing to receive the Holy Spirit and be endowed with this power. And within the first few years of Christianity, after Jesus went up to be with his Father in heaven and he gave him this power and mission, this thing called Christianity spread to over 39 countries. They didn't have internet. They didn't have planes or Twitter. They just had 12 guys and a bunch of new Christians who were filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't their gifts. It was the Holy Spirit empowering them to do something way more than they ever could in their own flesh. It was like they were tapping into the larger story of how God was at work in the world. Without the Holy Spirit, the church wouldn't have any power. You and I wouldn't have any power, and we can't do the work of the Spirit in the power of our own flesh. When Christians think about the Holy Spirit, they most often think about this dynamic of power. The the Holy Spirit endowing the church with power for mission. Oh, but i got to tell you, there's so much more to the Holy Spirit than just the ministry of power. There is also the ministry of truth. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 16-17. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I just love that Jesus uses this word counselor. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are like deep waters, but a person of understanding draws them out. That's what a counselor does. A counselor will draw out the deepest truths of a person ever so gently and warmly and get that truth out on the table so it's no longer a secret. You know, you're only as sick as your secrets. And one of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, is to be like a counselor in your life and mine, to really look deep into who we are, those dark crevices, and bring out the truth so that the truth will set you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, that's reality, and the truth will set you free, that's vitality. And we say there is no vitality without reality. So we visit many churches and many different cultures, and you know what we've discovered? A lot of churches can tell the truth about Jesus, but they have a hard time telling the truth about themselves. They want to tell everybody about Jesus, and I'm so happy about that. But they have a really hard time holding up the mirror and telling the truth about themselves. And yet, one of the marks of a healthy missional church is compelling Christian community. And that means that we're authentic, that we're transparent, that we take off the mask, that we have it all together, and we're willing to look and own our own stuff and let the Holy Spirit work on that and bring us to a point of being more healthy and missional. So I want to encourage you to continue on this road that you're working, allowing the Holy Spirit's power to fuel the mission, but also to allow the Holy Spirit not just to help you tell the truth about Jesus to a world that desperately needs hope, 
but that you would allow the Holy Spirit to tell the truth about this church. Uh, what's really worth preserving in our church? What are some things that still need to be created for us to fulfill the mission God's given us? And what are the things that we actually have to discard or get rid of because there's no longer working and it's no longer 1982 around here, if you get my point. Have you ever seen Napoleon Dynamite and Uncle Rico, who's living back in 1982, wishing he was back in high school again? He's like, arrested development. You okay out there so far? Okay. (laughs) So, will we let the Holy Spirit bring not just power, but truth? Because here's the thing. Power without truth is dangerous. But truth without power is lifeless. I think the Holy Spirit loves helping a church tell the truth about themselves. And all you got to do to see this is to read Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. There Jesus is walking among the lampstands and each lampstand represents a real church in a real place with real people ministering to real needs in a real town. And Jesus is walking around inspecting to make sure these lamps are burning brightly, the wick is trimmed properly, there's enough oil in the lamp and oil is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. And then Jesus speaks to each of these seven churches to help them become healthy and missional. But it's the Holy Spirit who hears what Jesus is saying and delivers those messages of assessment to become more healthy and missional to each of these seven churches. It was one letter to seven churches. They can read each other's mail and learn from how the Holy Spirit is at work in each of those churches. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. But it's Jesus, the one who's talking, but it's the Holy Spirit who's the one who's delivering that message and holding up the mirror of truth, because there is no vitality without reality. We meet churches all the time who want all the vitality without the reality. They want all the power of the Holy Spirit, but they don't want to tell the truth about themselves. And then we meet churches who really want revival, but they don't want repentance. We meet churches who want all the fruit without any of the root and doing the dirty work of preparing the soil for what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Do you know the Daytona 500 is going on? I think it is. I read it in USA Today on the weekend issue. Any of you car fans out there? Do you like cars? Do you like anybody like working on cars or tractors? But but you know that... Okay, what did I just step into here? (laughs) So here's the thing. Like I like to communicate or illustrate about the Holy Spirit, this power and truth. Think about it. In the Daytona 500, they're going to put high-octane fuel into those cars. That's what's going to make them go. That's where the power comes from. The Holy Spirit is like the gas for mission. And you press on the gas and go for it, baby. But the Holy Spirit is also like the computer chip in the car that you can plug a computer into and do the diagnostic and see what's wrong with the engine so that it can operate more efficiently and effectively and you're going to win the race. Is this making any sense? The Holy Spirit has the power, that's the gas, and the Holy Spirit wants to tell the truth about your church, that's the computer chip that does the diagnostic and then you'll know what to fix and work on to have full kingdom impact. 
So as I said earlier, one of the major distinctives of the covenant denomination is a conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So I want to share with you two ways how to become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit as a congregation, and then two ways how to become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit as individuals. Are you with me so far? All right, so I need a little prop here to tell you the first one. Bear with me, don't go anywhere. The first way, congregationally speaking, to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit is to practice what I call the law of thirds. The law of thirds. So, this applies to how you set an agenda for a meeting. By the way, there's a book called Death by Meeting. I mean, so many meetings that we go to. Are you really inspired by them? Not me. That's why they wrote a book called Death by Meeting. So, how can we organize our leadership meetings here at church in a way that's life-giving and helps us to keep our ears open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's called, ready, the Law of Thirds. So you can practice this at your next leadership meeting. It means that you set up your agenda in three parts. The first third of the agenda answers this question, how is the Holy Spirit at work in me? And you actually go around the room for about 15 or 20 minutes and it's like maybe it's a Bible verse that the Holy Spirit is really encouraging you by. Like, I've set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Psalm 16.8. And God's really given me strength to keep going just day by day from that verse. See, that's how the Holy Spirit's at work in me right now. Or maybe I had an opportunity to share the gospel with someone in word or deed. Or I've seen God answer a prayer, not just yes, but yes, and here's more. Wow, way, way to go, God. How do we see the Holy Spirit working in me? The second third of the meeting, you're answering this question. How is the Holy Spirit at work in us as a congregation and us in our community? How is the Holy Spirit at work in us as a congregation and in us as a community? Here in Erickson and uh, Creston, let me see if I get it right, Lister, aren't there two more? Yes, that, I almost said that, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> but that's very interesting. By the way, Jerry, thank you for the hour and a half tour yesterday of this beautiful place and for the cherries. I have to be careful not to eat too many of those cherries. Just a thought. Okay, back to this. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the second third of the meeting is asking the question, how is the Holy Spirit at work in us? And then you go around the room. Based on our life together in the Lord, how do you see the Holy Spirit working? And then the last third of the meeting answers the question, based on how the Holy Spirit is at work in me and in us, what are the decisions that we need to make as a leadership team tonight, or at least be praying about and thinking about until our next meeting. And if we can't do all these decisions in this time frame, then we need to be emailing or having little micro-meetings throughout the month. Do you know when most church boards or leadership teams get together, you know what they talk about? Two demotivating factors, money and attendance. But that's not the whole story of how God's at work. And I love this agenda of the Law of Thirds because it reminds us that when we gather here as leaders, 
We're spiritual leaders. We're not leading a business or a civic organization or not. We're like leaders in the church of whom Christ is the head. This is transforming the way leaders do leadership in churches around the covenant just by changing the way they do their agenda. And at first, it may feel a little bit awkward, but trust me, practice this, and if this becomes normal and natural to you, man, it'll just revolutionize the way you're opening your ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Does this make sense? It's such a simple way to be more responsive and nimble and tender to what the Holy Spirit wants to continue to do just by changing the way you do the agenda. Uh, the, the second way to develop a more conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit as a congregation is to create what I call the Holy Spirit account. So every year when you do your budget, and Jerry, I know you're a treasurer, that's what you did for the school board for many years, so you're going to get this just like that, is to create a line item account called the Holy Spirit account. Maybe you put aside $500 or something in the beginning of the year and you go like, we can't predict the mysterious work of the Spirit. Like, we don't know when the wind is going to blow, but when it does, we're going to raise our sails and catch that wind and we'll have resources set aside that we can automatically and quickly and faithfully and wholeheartedly give to follow the Spirit whenever that wind begins to blow in an area that we could not predict. What joy there is to have money set aside to automatically align yourself with how the Holy Spirit is at work in that given moment. You can't predict it, but boy, you're ready to move when the wind blows. And I'm asking you to try that. Actually, not try, but to train. Train putting aside a certain amount of money every year, designating it as the Holy Spirit account, and then praying about how the Holy Spirit is moving that year that you could have never anticipated. You know, I work with the churches in France. There are 65 churches I'm working with in the French Free Union, and they're teaching Veritas over there, and they're walking this pathway in a way that you are, sort of. And uh, so they're really gathering uh, a lot of good strength from these resources. And here's one of the things I learned about French culture. If you don't have a budget, then you aren't really legit. Like if you don't have any money set aside for your ministry or a budget, then really the church isn't really taking that ministry seriously. It's only until you put aside a certain amount of money that like raises the legitimacy and validity of that particular ministry. And when we create a Holy Spirit account, we're raising the level of awareness and potential for the Holy Spirit and our awareness to hear how the Holy Spirit is working in a way that we could have never anticipated in our strategic ministry plan. You with me on this? So these are two very simple ways that as a congregation, we can develop a more conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. Now let me share with you two things that we can do as individuals that will help us to be more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the first one is, Every morning, pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in and through my life today? Now, I travel a lot, and I really don't have a lot of sacred rhythms in my life. Sometimes I forget where I even am, so I have to look at the address on the telephone in the hotel to remind me where I am. It's a crazy life, but it is what it is. 
So I have to find rhythms that I can practice wherever I am. And so every morning before I wake up out of bed, I say the 23rd Psalm, and I meditate on, like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? And then I talk about the Lord's Prayer, and I say that, and I say the Beatitudes, and then I ask this question. Holy Spirit, this is before my feet ever hit the floor, because it's like the only quiet I'll have all day, except when I'm on the plane and i got my earphones on. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in and through my life today? So I asked the Holy Spirit this this morning. Can I tell you what I heard? And I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm just a deep sense in my spirit, and I always check it through Scripture because I never underestimate my own ability to be deceived. The Bible says, test the spirits. Okay? So here's the word, and it's usually not a big sentence. It's just one or two phrases. And here's what I heard today when I asked, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in and through my life today? And here's what I heard. Love. Love. Love doesn't really come naturally to me. But as I'm forgetting about myself and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through my life today, I'm allowing the love of Christ to flow in me to other people, and I myself am receiving the love of Christ for me. And I'm experiencing the reality of being loved by God today. It's like my antennas are up. And love, as you know, is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's not preaching a sermon today. It's just sharing the love of Christ with you. And so that's my focus all day today. Sometimes I hear the word like peace. And so when I confront a very anxious situation at work, God already has my antennas up, peace. And I can be a non-anxious presence. Instead of reacting, I can calmly respond to the chaos all around me. This is part of the adventure of following the Holy Spirit. I still believe God speaks to people. God's the living God, amen? But I always check it through the Scriptures because one of the marks of a healthy missional church is the centrality of the Word of God. I'm asking you to practice that this week. I'm asking you tomorrow, before you get out of bed and your feet hit the floor, would you just ask the Holy Spirit this question? What is it that you want to do in and through my life today? And then that whole day long, you're aware and you're listening and you're watching and you're sensing and you're like, your radar is up. How is the Holy Spirit going to do this today in and through my life? And you actually forget about yourself and you focus on letting the Lord's Spirit move in and through you. The second thing that we can do individually to develop a more conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit is to discover, deploy, and develop the spiritual gifts that God gave to each one of us to strengthen the church. Do you realize that at the point of your conversion to Christianity, the Holy Spirit came upon you, Jesus came in you, and the Holy Spirit gave you spiritual gifts so that you can use those gifts in His power to strengthen your church and make a difference for Christ in the world. So it's no longer about your story or my story. It's about God's larger story and what He wants to continue to do in this world for whom Christ died. And I want to encourage you, you you might have this already, but if not, I want to encourage you to have a class that helps people 
to actually discover what their spiritual gifts are, to begin to deploy those gifts and practice with that. And it's okay to fail and fall down because you're practicing. And then to develop those gifts. Because here's what happens. When we serve in the area of our spiritual giftedness, we feel God's joy. Remember that movie, Chariots of Fire? Okay, now I'm really showing my generation here. How many of you remember Chariots of Fire? And remember that phrase, he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. And I think that when you and I minister with the power the Holy Spirit provides, with the gifting that He gave us, we feel God's pleasure. It's not always easy, but it is rewarding. And it is satisfying. And I know that some of us, and I say this gently but invitationally, that some of us sitting here have been Christians a long time. We don't even know what the spiritual gifts are that the Holy Spirit gave us. And we're wondering, could I have some gifts? Yes, you do. Because the Lord wants to move in and through your life to have a great impact in this church and in this community. Discover, deploy, and develop your spiritual gifts that the Lord has given to you. One of the spiritual gifts that God gave to me is preaching and teaching and then leadership and some administration. And, and it's, all, it's not always easy, but I'm telling you, like right now I'm feeling goosebumps because like I'm just doing what God created me for. Do you realize that God made you to love you? And that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it? Talk about sharing the love of Christ today. Remember, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life today? Love. If God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. That's how much God is affectionately, warmly in love with you. But He not only made you to love you, He made you to give you a ministry to do. And the gift to do that ministry and the power to do that ministry so that we can experience God's larger story of His work in the world. I think following the Holy Spirit, wherever the Spirit leads, is one of the greatest adventures of being a Christ follower. Well, I want to thank you for your hospitality this weekend. And and I just want to let you know that if your memories are bigger than your dreams, you have already begun to die. But if your dreams are bigger than your memories, the best is yet to come. And I believe the best is yet to come for Erickson Evangelical Covenant Church. As you keep your ears open to hear what the Spirit has said to your church. And as you are used by God, to help people find and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for Your sacrifice. And You did it all for love. And You were full of so much faith. You were full of the Holy Spirit. You showed us how to live a life filled with the Spirit. And we admire you for doing that. And we want to learn to live our lives as your apprentices. Lord, I ask you to fill us anew and afresh 
with your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that filled you, so that we may fully align ourselves with your larger story at work in the world. Father, thank you so much for these people gathered here, and I pray that you'll continue to hold your hand upon them, encourage them, provide for them, strengthen them, anoint them with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for this abundant life that you invite us into. And help us to say yes today to your love, the love of Christ, the extravagant love of Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. want to respond to uh, the call of Jesus to us through this song, Multiply Your Love, and it's, it's really a prayer, and I know it's a little less known perhaps, we sang it just before the service, so we'll do the first verse together and sing it through and kind of feel for it, and then just make it your prayer. If it's a little less familiar uh, for you, uh, don't be shy to just reflect on the words and sing as you're able, but hear this as our, our prayer that, that God would multiply his love through us. Let's do that first verse together. I'll, uh, and then we'll repeat it. Here's how it goes. Multiply your love through us To the lost and the least Let us be your healing hands Your instruments of May our single purpose be to imitate your life through our simple words and deeds. Let love be multiplied. Can you try that again? Verse 1. Will you stand? Make this your prayer as we sing. Multiply your love through us. Lost and the least Let us be your healing hands Your instruments of peace May our single purpose be To imitate your life Through our simple words and deeds Let love be multiplied. Verse 2. Multiply your love through me to someone in need. Help me, Lord, to freely give this grace that I've received. Let my single purpose be Imitate your life Through my simple words and deeds Let love be multiplied Let us see your kingdom come 
God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This week, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope through the power of and the truth of the Holy Spirit. I love you. God loves you. Have a great week. May you find and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hope to see you again down the road sometime. God bless you. Coffee, and, uh, and I know a, a number of people are heading out to Lister Park for a wiener roast. So, God bless.